Oh, Lord, let us dream with You in these areas and let Your dreams come to reality. Amen. Well, we're going to jump into the, the Word today in chapter 6 of Luke. And uh, we'll bring in a little bit this next portion here to a conclusion, hopefully today. Luke 6, verse 22 through 27. And uh, we're talking about the kingdom constitution. Jesus has been uh, laying out for us this constitution of the kingdom of God. Basically, how to live heaven on earth. That's really what we're talking about. The earth did not have what God was bringing through Jesus Christ. That's the reason why he, he brought him. So Luke is recounting the Beatitudes. What does Beatitudes mean? We talked about it last week. Anyone? Beatitudes. What does it mean? Jesus starts most all of his statements by one word. Yes. Blessed. Blessed. And it, so the Beatitudes means blessing. And he's got these crowds of people that are within earshot. But what does he do? He's got all these crowds. And then he turns to who? Who does he turn to? He turns to his disciples that are right there with him. I believe there's many, many people we know across the nation. And I believe that that are attending services, that are listening to uh, Jesus through whoever it is that's preaching. Hopefully it's Jesus coming through and they're listening. But I, I just see Jesus, you know, almost prophetically, he's turning to different ones and he's saying, I know that you're going to take what I'm giving you and you're going to put it into practice because not everybody got it. Jesus talked about put, throwing pearls before swine. You ever seen a pig with uh, a nice, you know, lace of pearls around its neck? No, they have no understanding. They have no value of those, those things, those precious um, rocks. So what is Jesus saying? He's saying, I, I only give my truth to people who are really going to take it and live it out. That's the only way that we experience freedom in our lives is if we apply the word of God to our lives. So just speaking it, hearing it, it's not enough, is it? No, it's not. Holy Spirit, we're dependent upon you for revelation to be able to see what we need to see. Open up our eyes. May we take your word and run with it. Amen. So the first step that he talks about it there, blessed are the, we did it last week, blessed are the, the poor, the poor. And what is that? What is he talking about there? He was saying, blessed are the poor, as Matthew says, in spirit. Those are helpless. They're incapable of helping themselves. This is the first step in the progression of many truths that Jesus is going to lay out here. This is the first step for anyone entering the kingdom of God is to be poor. As Jesus says in a similar way, in order to enter the kingdom, you have to become like a little child. Yeah, that's that faith of uh, I can't do it. That's the way kids are, aren't they? My kids, when they were really young, dad, I can't, can you help me, please? Can you do this for me? Me, 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 I need, I need, I need. Well, Jesus is fine with us being in that place. He actually says, you've got to be poor, realizing that you cannot help yourself. Uh, this is such good stuff. All right. Verse 22. 
Verse 22, God blesses those who are hated and excluded and mocked and cursed because you are identified with me. That's a tall order. Blessed are you who are hated, excluded, mocked, and cursed because you're identified with me, the Son of God. Yes, Jesus says, when that happens, rejoice. How many have ever experienced something like that before of what he's talking about? On Because of your association with Jesus, you've been hated, excluded, mocked, cursed, anyone, because you've been identified with Jesus. He says, rejoice. In fact, he's going to say, elevate as well. Yes, leap for joy. Leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. What is he doing? He's turning our focus, trying to turn our focus off of our circumstances of what we're facing onto him. And then ultimately he says, listen, if you're going to follow me, there is suffering in this life coming your way. Because of your association with me, it's not always going to go well the way you want it to. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. Keep your eyes fixed on that goal. And remember, the ancient prophets were also treated that way by your ancestors. The uh, pulled up a, a few statistics here, but evangelical monitoring groups report that more Christians have been killed for their faith worldwide in the past hundred years than were martyred in the previous 19 centuries combined. In the last 19 centuries combined. So more Christians have been killed for their faith worldwide in the past hundred years than in the the previous 19 centuries combined. According to the World Evangelical Alliance, over 200 million Christians in at least 60 countries are denied fundamental human rights annually solely because of their faith. Six billion people in the whole world. There's a lot of Christians coming to a city near you. rights, freedoms continually more and more being taken away. That's not a time to, you know, freak out, go into fear or anything like that. That's Jesus is saying, as this happens, the result of this should be joy in you because you're associating with me. Verse 24 and 25, what sorrows await you who are rich? Oh, that's not good. That's not a good sound right there. So, so is Bill Gates in trouble? Warren Buffett? Has he got problems coming his way? Because Jesus is talking, what sorrows await you who are rich? For you have your only happiness right now in this life. You have your only happiness right now. What sorrows await you who are satisfied and prosperous now? For a time of awful hunger is before you. I got to say, when I'm reading different scriptures like this, I'm glad that we have a Greek uh, meanings behind these things. Because just at face value, we're ready to tear down, you know, uh, Buffett and uh, Bill Gates' doors. Or anybody who we would perceive anyway to have wealth. 
Who is that? Somebody with more than what we have. Can you imagine building your whole life on things that don't really matter in the long run? Jesus says, you can't take it with you. What if we took what we what took years, um, the years that we have been given and wasting it on ourselves? So is Jesus denouncing the rich, making this distinction between the material haves and have nots? Matthew Henry helps open this up a little bit. He says, I wonder maybe if you're like me, um, sometimes my seven-year-old son, I'm like, you are really good at what you do. He's growing in sometimes the wrong things and we're redirecting him. And I, I think about uh, you know, we're, Scripture in 2 Peter 3.15, remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. That is encouraging. I'm encouraged that in my own life. I've seen God's patience in my life over and over again. These are people who, again, the rich, the fat, the prosperous, these are people who rely on their own righteousness. They're filled with conceit, vanity, pride. They have no appetite for spiritual things. Because why? Because they're fat, they're rich, they're prosperous with the things of these world, the things of this world. They don't hunger and thirst after Christ and the grace that is in Him. So some are rich in money and resources. Some are rich in knowledge. Some are rich in talent and gifting. But they don't have any idea why Jesus gave it to them. They're fat, consuming their riches upon themselves. So this is not a monetary statement that Jesus is making. This is a life statement that he is making. What have we been given? Are we consuming what we've been given on ourselves? Well, he says there are sorrows awaiting those who are rich in those areas. If Jesus and his kingdom are not our first priority and identity in this life, one could, um, one could be quite poor and the same thing be said about them. Some of the most miserable people in the world can be poor people. And it's not because they don't have money. Because we know money's not going to satisfy. Money's not going to fill those places. Here we see Jesus. And we talked about back in November, we talked about Justice Church. And that uh, the issue of justice is talked about over 500 times in the Bible. And what was the greatest thing? What's the, the topic that gets the most amount of ink in the Bible? Anybody remember that? It has to do with this topic right here that Jesus is hitting on. The fat, the rich, the prosperous. And those are not physical, anatomical type descriptions. But the, the topic that gets the most ink in the Bible is idolatry. Idolatry. What is the center of our existence? What happens when certain things, material possessions, or, or maybe even our, our talents and our giftings, those things are taken away? We find so much identity in those things. We find so much identity in our work and how well we perform those things. What if because of a physical impairment we weren't able to do those things anymore? 
The question becomes, what do riches, whatever those things are in terms of resources or, or uh, you know, money or anything, what do those things expose in our heart? That's what Jesus is going after. Come alongside us and help us see how are these things controlling us? How are these things dictating to us decisions that we're going to make? We're called to live following the Holy Spirit. Not what it is that the world is chasing after. Verse 25. So we've talked about here the, the hated and the mocked. The rich, the fat, the prosperous. Now Jesus is going to touch on the laughers. What sorrows await you who laugh carelessly? What sorrows await you who laugh carelessly? For your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrows await you who laugh carelessly? Carelessly. Matthew Henry was very helpful in some of these things. Listen to what he says here. He says, These are those who arrogantly believe that they need nothing. They arrogantly believe that they need nothing, neither repentance in themselves nor forgiveness from God. They need nothing, nor repentance in themselves nor forgiveness from God. Woe to you that laugh now at sin and mock at it. Oh, that's no big deal. Oh, that's no big, that's not a problem. Instead of mourning for it, or they glory in themselves in their own righteousness and rejoice in their boastings. He says, for you will mourn and you will weep. You'll be cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, Matthew Henry shares. And for all the fire they have kindled and sparks that they have stored up and danced in and about this they shall have at the hand of God. They shall lie down in sorrow and ever continue in it. These are serious things that Jesus is talking about. Think, listen about, think about that crowd that was there. How many of them would, over, who would have overheard what he was sharing? Because Jesus said that he specifically would encrypt the things that he shared so that certain people could understand certain things. We're going to get into later on, we're going to talk about the different, uh, the different soils. Jesus is going to get into talking about these different soils, rocky ground and um, you know, casting the seeds of the kingdom of God on these different soils of people's lives. And people that have a hardness of heart, they're not able to receive, they're not able to, to really truly embrace what Jesus is talking about. I mean, think about it. There was only one-fourth. There was four different types of soils, and only one type of soil was able to receive the seeds of the kingdom of God. When you're trying to build something, that's not very good math. That's not a really good outcome that you'd probably hoped for. Because the Scriptures also say that Jesus died for the entire cosmos. He died that all might be saved. And yet we see in our world something very different. Jesus isn't playing around here. 
He's being really straight up with people. You've got to count the cost. And it all comes down to this question that he's been asking us, that he continually presents to us. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And answering that question is everything. Let's go on to verse 26. What sorrows await you who are praised by the crowds or all people? What sorrows await you who are praised by the crowds or all the people? For their ancestors also praised false prophets. Now, Jesus is our standard for living. Jesus is our standard for living. Was Jesus praised by all men? Was Jesus praised by all men? Though doesn't it say that I would be lifted up, that all men would be drawn? But it doesn't say that they praised him, does it? Absolutely not. Jesus definitely was not praised by all men. He was actually murdered by many. There were many false prophets in Old Testament times. They were praised by kings and crowds because they would say whatever would make them fit in and gain popularity. They were all about the popularity vote. It was all about running a a certain campaign, saying the right words at the right time, those magic things that are going to make everybody think you're so awesome. Makes me think of the story of Herod. I believe it's in Acts 13. Herod comes out. He's, he's trying to make some, uh, a diplomatic move. Um, he's got his own campaign that he's running. He wants to gain popularity with the people. And he comes out and, you know, all the Jews are trying to impress him. And so they start just, you know, whoa. And they actually said, he has a voice like a God. He's got a voice like a God. And it says that he took the praise of the people and the glory that he was supposed to give to God. And he took it into himself. Net result says God sent an angel, struck him dead, and he was eaten by worms. I believe it's one of the most graphic pictures of pride in the Bible. What, what does it do? You know, pride is like those worms, literally. I mean, it's so graphic, but they just, they eat you little by little by little. Pride just eats you up to the point where you're trying to communicate something to this, uh, an arrogant person and they can't even see it. They don't even realize they're deceived in how pride blinds us. I think for most of it, it's difficult to imagine the level of pressure associated with making a stand for Jesus. There's certain personal things, different areas where we do that, where we, you know, we, we, you know, somebody says something, we, and we, you know, speak up, and, but you know, I think we've all been in those different situations before. That pressure is so intense. 
Now ratchet that up. You know, some of the things that, that Mark and different ones are doing on a city governmental level. Where those types of views, you try and bring the Bible or scriptural principles, different things like that into the conversation. It's like, what are you doing bringing this ancient text into modern day? Making a stand for purity, for righteousness, pure relationships, anything like that. Those things don't go over well. You're mocked, you're ridiculed, you're hated, you're scorned. Though they would find recognition from man, Jesus says, if anyone denies me publicly, this is Matthew 10, if anyone denies me publicly here on earth, I will deny that person before my Father who is in heaven. If anyone denies me publicly here on planet earth, this is the stage where it all happens. It's hard to imagine these short years, this small blip that we call life determines everything. And yet we're so consumed so much of the time with right here, right now, living for the moment. And Jesus is trying to lift our eyes to lift our focus. John of Antioch considered the early church's great one of the early church's greatest preachers. He says this, it is not possible. It is not possible for a virtuous person who follows Christ's commands to enjoy the praise and admiration of all the people. Not possible. If we're trying to please everyone, all of our constituents, if we're trying to get everybody's popular vote, he says it's impossible to follow Christ and do that. Are we moved by what God says or man? Some of you who may like to, uh, you may enjoy uh, American Idol or different things like that, you see different people who... Uh, claim to follow Christ and, and Christians, and you can see something, there's something very different about them up there. And there's a life about them. And, and the judges, uh, some of you probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but there's judges who judge uh, different performances, vocal and music performances that different artists perform. And they, the different Christians, they always talk about, wow, there's something about you that's so... Uh, gravitational in its pull. It's just, I don't know what it is, and they can't, J-Lo's trying to put her finger on, you know, what, uh, it's like this mojo vibe thing that you've got going. It's so just incredible. It just makes me feel so, ooh. And, uh, but the pressure, and you see different ones make attempts, and some of them very successful at it, where they make a statement, they make a stand, they insert Christ. Like, what is it about you that makes you able to do what you do and how successful and you're just this incredible gifting and all that? And they make that statement. It's because of Jesus. It's like you could hear a pin drop sometimes at those moments. 
pressure to conform to something. But Jesus says, you know what? If you get all the accolades in this life and it's all about pleasing people, you can't take that with you. Are we moved by what God says? Are we moved by man? Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 36. But if you're willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. I think Jesus was losing a few people right here. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give what you have to anyone who asks for it. What? When things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do for others as you would like them to do for you. We attempt, we try to live by this code in the Trout family. This is a challenge right here. Hey, Justice, do to Jaron what you would like him to do for you or to you. That is a rough one. Oh, you mean do to him what he just did to me? No. Do to him what you would like him to do to you. And then they get prideful, right? And they say, well, I do want to do, I would want him to do that to me. And so they do, they punch him and it's not good. (laughs) Do you think you deserve credit merely for loving those who love you? Oh man, he's going to get into it now. Do even the sinners do that? Even those who don't know God do that. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, is that so wonderful? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, what good is that? Even sinners will lend to their own kind for a full return. Love your enemies. Verse 35, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them and don't be concerned that they might not repay. Well, that's a big deal, isn't it? How do you, how do you walk this out? Again, this is, this is stuff coming from another world. This is not planet earth philosophy. This, is, this could only come from heaven to earth. This is how to live out heaven here on earth. This is how to live out a totally different kingdom than what we're used to. What, he, what he's introducing here is absolutely revolutionary. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. I 
know it might be kind of hard to take all of what I just read in. It would require so much more time than what we have this morning. But that is intense. Jesus is saying, I'm calling you not to just be disciples, but to be sons and daughters like me, to become just like my Father. And this is what my Father is all about. Lots of people got off the Jesus train right here. Jesus was about crowd thinning, not about crowd gathering. His message was so countercultural because, I mean, these guys were being slapped silly by Roman guards. They were being taken advantage of by people who were associated uh, with the Roman emperor, with the Roman Empire. And they had a lot of pent up hate against the oppression that was taking place. Stephen, Stephen in Acts, the first martyr, rather than asking for vengeance, while he is being stoned, crushed by these huge rocks that these guys are heaving. These aren't little, like, we're going to pebble you to death. And he's crying out, God, forgive them. Forgive them for what they're doing. Our greatest example, of course, is Jesus. What did Jesus say while hanging on this most brutal but beautiful expression of love? The cross. What did he say? Luke 22 tells us, When they came to the place called the skull, they were crucif- there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, Forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And even in the face of that, his cry, and it says, and they just cast lots, they ignored him, divided up his garments among themselves. The people stood by looking on. Even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, he saved others. Let him save himself if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. This type of love Agape is only possible with God. Only possible with God. We don't have time to go there this morning, but 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. This is what we know is the love chapter, but love is patient. Love is kind. We just kind of, you know, blow, you go right past these things, but each of them is so powerful. Again, he says here, For the God, the Most High, He is kind to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Even though mankind is in rebellion against God, Jesus loves the whole world. Jesus asks us to follow His example. Listen to this in Romans Romans chapter 5, verse 6. Romans chapter 5, 
When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now no one is likely to die for a good person, though someone might be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's judgment. For since we were restored to friendship with God by the death of His Son while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by His life. So now, we can rejoice in the wonderful new relationship that we have with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends of God. He says to give your enemies the same respect and love that you desire for yourself. Can we as His children be any different or give any less than what our Father gave us? What would we like to have done to us? What if we were still far from God? Not knowing it, blind by our own pride and arrogance, but what would we want to receive? You know what? This is, this is a portion of Scripture I'm not really interested. This, this scares me that this, this word right here would be tested in my life. It really does. What if someone did something to my family? How would I respond to that? Here's an assignment. You guys ready? I want you to think of the best thing that you can do for the one of the worst people you can think of in your life. And do it. That requires a little time for pause. Think of the best thing that you can do Or just something good. What's a good thing that you can do for someone that you don't really appreciate all that much? You don't care for them all that much? Think of what you would really like someone to do for you. Do it for them. Think of the people that you're tempted to be nasty to and lavish something of generosity on them. See what happens. Bring an out of this world, another kingdom, truth and reality to bear in a relationship. That might be a boss. That could even be a a family member. Someone at your school, someone at work. So when Jesus is talking about, and we're going to conclude with this, when Jesus is talking about all these blessings... When do they begin for the believer? If we go back to that first statement that he made, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When does this begin? It begins the very moment that someone believes on Jesus Christ. It begins that very moment. That act of humility of saying, I can't help myself, I can't save myself. 
So what is blessing again? Blessing there is blessed are the poor in spirit. That means um, indwelling. That's the indwelling life in Christ. Those who are blessed are those who have the life of Jesus in them. And it's theirs right now. This is not some present tense thing or uh, future tense thing in the Greek there. It's actually the present tense. This is now, right now. When is the grace of God and the power of God available to live this out? Now, if Jesus is living within us, we can break through any type of bitterness. God did it for us. The first steps into the kingdom of heaven begin by acknowledging that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. No one has access to the Father. No one has access to eternal life apart from Him. I want to finish just by reading a scripture here in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Jesus says, sorry, I think I got the wrong address here. Verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, as, God, as God's partners, that's us, we beg you not to reject this marvelous message of God's great kindness. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, God is ready to help you right now. Today is the day of salvation. Don't reject this marvelous message of God's great kindness. Paul is exhorting. He's talking to the church at Corinth. At just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Let's stand together. Who do we say Jesus is? Who do we say Jesus is? Do we respond like the crowd responded? Can we, do we have the capacity to respond as a disciple, as a close relationship with Jesus? Jesus, let our hearts resonate with your truth. May we not just be hearers of the word, but those who take the word and put it into practice. God, I believe that you're giving us assignments this week and forward from there. Relationships maybe that we're estranged from, relationships that have been broken in some way. Again, boss, family, whomever it is, we could take your word and put it into practice. That wonderful, powerful Sunday school quote that we've heard since we were, some of us since we were young, to do to others what we want done to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.